you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. If you have faith in your heart this morning and you have a need in your life, you ought to lift both of those hands toward heaven and just repeat the words of that song and say, God, I'm believing you for it. I'm believing you're going to make a way for me when there seems to be no way. You're going to make a way. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Wow, 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 wow. What an spirit of the Lord that is in this house today. Why don't you give this great praise team a wonderful hand of appreciation for all of their work and labor and faithfulness. It's a faithful group of people. Thank you. Thank you. Second Peter chapter 1 and I'm going to begin with verse number Two, Second Peter chapter 1. Let me put a little plug in for Wednesday night. I started a lesson on Wednesday night, and we were just going to talk about the makings or the marks of an apostolic church, what it takes to be apostolic. I started a lesson on Wednesday night, and I thought it was just going to be a, a lesson that's kind of turning into a series. I think I got to page 2 in my notes of about 12. And uh, if you... If you have Wednesday night available, be back here on Wednesday night. We're going to open the Word of God and continue on with that lesson, talking about what it means to be apostolic. Aren't you glad to be part of an apostolic church? Amen. Amen. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse number 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of Jesus, of God, and of Jesus our Lord. According to his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and 
to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather brethren Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. By the help of the Lord today, I'm going to speak to you for a little while on the subject, be diligent about your calling. Be diligent about your calling. Lord, help me today to speak to every person in this room. Lord, the diversity of people that are here, different walks of life, different places in their journey in you, different backgrounds. Lord, I pray today that your spirit, Lord, reaches through the spectrum of personalities and ideologies. And that every person, every new convert, every elder, every person that may be here for their first time, for those that have been serving for a long time, whomever it may be, I pray that your word speaks into that heart and that life and calls us to that place and calls us to be what you want us to be in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Now, I, I've got a long ways to go today, and I don't want to get in too big of a hurry, but I, I recognize the time, and I'll have you out uh, in time for lunch, although your belly is telling you that it's already time for lunch because they mess with these silly clocks and get us all off kelter, so I had to have a breakfast this morning so I'd be able to get through this. So how many of you had breakfast today? Good. How many of you didn't have breakfast? Oh my, I got to hurry. Now, I want to be clear today that I am in not in any way intending to confuse anyone by calling them into any particular ministry. The Apostle Paul is speaking here in our text, in this passage, about our calling and election, but he is talking about being called to a virtuous lifestyle. And our text gives us a priority list that you and I are to work on in order to reach that point of a virtuous lifestyle, he says that God has given us exceeding great and precious promises that will help us grow into the divine nature of a child of God. And not just that, but that divine nature will help us escape the corruption that is in the world. Now stay with me as I lay this groundwork and foundation for what I feel to speak to you today. And then he goes on to give us our list of things to work on. And he warns us that accomplishing the fulfillment of this list that we refer to as... Um, as a godly lifestyle, some may refer to this as the, the fruit of the Spirit, and, and the fruit of the Spirit is more defined in another text. 
but this is growing into the divine nature of a child of God. And he says that divine nature will help us escape the corruption that is in the world. So those who are battling with the corruption in the world often try to fight the corruption. And what the apostle is telling us is take your eyes off of the corruption in the world and start trying to be what God has called you to be and then he will give you power over the corruption that is in the world. He gives us our list to work on and he warns us. He says accomplishing these things will require diligence. He says give all diligence. So it, it's not an overnight thing. It, there's no shortcut to success. So uh, stop for a moment and consider where you are in God. This week I met a couple, witnessed to a couple, talked to them for a few minutes and the Lord's already working. I'm believing I'm going to see them in church in the next few days. been working on them already and seeing God do some things already in their life and understand that every one of us come from different backgrounds. I uh, Some have more experience. As I was talking to this couple this week, they said, they said well, we're, we're very, very new believers. We are, we are in the infancy stage. You cannot expect an infant to be able to understand what a teenager will understand or a teenager to understand what uh, a seasoned adult would understand. Uh, so I hope you are with me this morning in recognizing that there is no, in the kingdom of God, there, there is no overnight success. There is no stepping from point A to point B. I, I know we get in revival services and the Spirit of the Lord's moving and uh, the evangelists are calling us to go to a higher dimension, to go to a higher level. And I've heard people ask the question, well, how many dimensions and levels are there? Well, uh, all of us are growing in the knowledge of God. So there's always a place to grow to. There's always a place to step to. There's always a place we're going to. But it's not going to happen. It can uh, Making a trip to the altar is a good first step. Uh, making a commitment somewhere is a good first step. But there is no overnight. There are no, no overnight successes. There, You may have little successes along the way, but in order to establish the things that the Apostle Peter wrote here in the first chapter, he is saying, give all diligence. There is going to take some time and some energy. There's no shortcut to success. You have to make up your mind to work on it and to stay with it. Look at your neighbor and tell him, stay with it. He says, start out. He gives us this list and he tells us, start out. Start out with faith. It's the basis of salvation. Without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. We could cut that a little shorter and say, without faith, it is impossible. Faith is the base element. It is the first move. It is the first step. One first must have faith. And he starts out with faith. Then he says once that you have faith working in you, you need to move on to becoming virtuous. Because you can't just say, well, I have faith and I believe. He said, but the very next step, and I do believe he kind of puts these in order because he says, add to your faith virtue. And so he, began, he has a, a starting point of faith, a base element. And he says, add to your faith being virtuous. Work on then becoming virtuous in your life. And then he goes on and he says, once you get virtue working in your life, then you need to move on to 
gaining knowledge. You can't just work on uh, virtue and end there, but he said now you, you've got to, to, to gain knowledge. The Apostle Paul tells the young Timothy who was pursuing uh, his calling, he said, uh, he said, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. And he, he is calling him to a deeper knowledge through study of the word, whatever your calling may, may be to do that, that calling, you have to work on that calling you this this morning as I'm on the front row I I recognized uh, sister Cheryl you did an amazing job this morning had an amazing team on this platform this morning they did an incredible job and they didn't just sing out of their base skill but they have worked on that skill and knowing a little bit about music I was listening to some of the details that uh, an untrained ear might not catch, but the, the details and some of the harmony parts and some of the moments, and Sister Ashley did such a great job leading that, that group through this morning, and then Sister Jen took us into the throne room this morning with that final song of Believe For It, one of my favorites, and, 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 and my spirit was touched, and I was listening and paying attention, and I thank God that they didn't just show up this morning a few minutes before service and say, well, let's see, let's just pull out a song and just sing a little song. Sometimes the rehearsals are not pleasant. Sometimes they get on your nerves. They get weary. You get they're, they're trying, but then when it all comes together on a Sunday morning like it did today and the presence of God is thick in this room, I thank God for some people that have added to their virtue knowledge. They had knowledge of their gift. They worked into that gift. They, they grew into that gift and and into that that knowledge and understanding the the writer begins to talk about our calling and he said that into that knowledge and understanding you need then to start working on temperance Oh, the old temper that likes to get out of control. He said, you got to work on, you can be around some folks. You don't have to be around them long. And you you pick up that they are untempered. Their temper is out of control. And the apostle said, you got to work on some temperance. you got to be temperance, temperate in all things. you got you got to establish some things where your life becomes better. Balanced. You, you don't get angry over every little thing and you don't fall apart over every little thing. You learn the balance in your emotion and you, you learn how to handle the, the hard things without getting angry and acting out and wanting to punch a fist through a wall or, or, or kick the dog or yell at the wife or, uh, or, or stab the husband. You you got to become temperate in all things, and and uh, I, I'm not speaking from knowledge this morning. Never been a knife pulled, thank God, not not since I've been married at least. And so he goes on and he says, says it's good to have knowledge and understanding, but then you got to work on temperance and you got to get temperance and you got to add that to your knowledge because just knowing what to do and not having control of your temperaments, he said, you, you, you got a little issue here, so we got to add some control to the temperaments. So you can't be throwing things and yelling at everything and you got to just get some temperance in you because God is. is calling us to, to, to all of these, more than just faith and more than just virtue and, and, and more, more than just knowledge, but then also temperance. And this is a hard thing. And, and, and sometimes this is a lifetime thing of work just to get the temperance thing down. And then he goes on and he says, when you get temperance down, then you can start thinking about godliness and you need to add some godliness. Well, uh, what do you mean? Well, some folks, they, they come to church and, 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 and repent and get baptized and all of a sudden they're like, whoo, I am godly, I am godly. Good, wonderful, but let's get some faith and let's get some knowledge and let's get some temperance and let's get some of all these other things in you and then you're going to add to 
Uh, you're going to add to your temperance. Oh, oh, patience, that's the one. Some of you are about to get frustrated that I missed that. Be patient. I'm going to get there, and so don't ever pray for patience or God will teach you a lesson you don't want to learn. Because if you think it's hard to get the temper under control, then start thinking about patience. Some of you are sitting there now going, come on, Pastor, I got it, I got it, move on, move on, be patient. God's trying to teach you a lesson through this long message this morning. Add patience to temperance and and then, he said, once you get get temperance and you get patience, now now we're going to add godliness and after you get godliness, he said, you're going to add brotherly kindness. And then to learning to be kind to your brother, he said, don't even start thinking you're going to get all the brotherly kindness right if you don't have some of the other things. See, some folks come and they get all bent out of shape. Pastor, you got to work out all the problems and relationships in the church. you got to just get in the middle of it and work it all out. No, 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 no. See, the deal is they don't even have, they don't even have temperance worked out. They, if they don't have temperance worked out... And, and they don't have and they don't have patience worked out. There's no reason for me to try to tell them they need to learn to be kind to their brother and kind to one another. They they're not going to get that because you have to add to these things. And once you get one thing, you add to the next. And he said, add to your godliness, brotherly kindness, and and to brotherly kindness, charity. So let me go ahead and remind you again that. This calling that God has put in you will take a lifetime to complete. Because until he says, when he says, well done, we think that he's, he's going to sit down and look down the laundry list of all the things that we accomplished for him. But maybe he's going to look through and say, let's see where you got. Did you keep working on temperance and patience and kindness, brotherly kindness and charity? And so it's going to take a lifetime to complete, but it is possible to Fulfill it if you can just establish these things in your life. And then the writer goes on and he says, If they abound in your life, they make you that you should neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But in order for this to happen, you must be diligent about your calling. Now, hang on with me just for a moment. And remember, I told you I was just now laying the foundation for what I want to get to. See, a lot of people, they start serving God and immediately start talking about what God is wanting them to do. And they begin talking about, I need to do this for God. And I believe that I'm called to this. I uh, talk to a lot of young ministers and, and, and young preachers and having said, on uh, the Indiana District Board and, and meet young men that are coming in for licensing and oftentimes they come in and, and they begin to share what their calling is. They're called to be an evangelist, not making light of that calling, to be a church planner. They're called to this, called to that, called to this other thing. But then uh, my question for them is not what they are called to do, but I want to know more before we start talking about what someone is called to do for God. I want to talk about what they are called to be. Because before God calls you to do, God first is calling you to be. Because he is talking about he is talking about what we are to be rather than what we are to do. And he says, if these things that you're called to be in you, if they abound, they will make you neither barren nor unfruitful. So people, some people come along and they're like, well, I just got to go. I got to do this for God. I got I to gotta, I gotta do this for God. If I don't, uh, my life, I feel like I'm not producing anything for God. I feel like I'm barren and I feel like I'm unfruitful. But God is saying that if you will work on being what I'm asking, you to be, then be 
by being, it will make you to where you are neither unfruitful nor unbarren. And so therefore there is a God element that is involved in our being. So if I ask this morning in, the, in a congregation this size, if I ask you, tell me what God has called you to do. Uh, I, I'm guessing that I would get many different answers, but if I ask you what God has called you to be, the brakes usually come on and people start looking, but the idea here is God has given us a list of things in his word. Those of you that like lists, the list is in his word. He's telling us, this is what he tells us through the apostle Peter, I want you to add to faith. This is what I want you to be, but see, you're not going to, you're not going to end up there because there is the process of becoming. You start here and then you are becoming. Somebody said, Pastor, I can't do the things that you're asking me to do because, because I don't have all of these things worked out in my life. I have not finalized it. I, I didn't come this morning to preach a message that is so hard that you walk out of this building today saying there's no way. I'll never live up to that standard. So my real question for you is what are you becoming? Because if you're working on these things, then you are going to be better tomorrow than you are today. So therefore, somebody said, well, I'm still struggling with that patience thing, or I'm still struggling with that temperament thing. I'm still struggling in some of these areas, but are you working on it? Are you getting better at it? Are you praying over it? Are you gaining control? Are you fasting about it? Are you, are you gaining some control? Because I am more interested in knowing what you are becoming than what you are doing. See, a lot of folks get it all wrong and say, well, pastor needs to send me out. Pastor needs to put me in charge. Pastor needs to allow me to do this or to do that. But pastor is in the word of God today and I'm trying to tell you God sent me to this pulpit today to tell you when you start being what he's called you to be, he will make you to whether you will neither be barren nor unfruitful because when you become what God's calling you to become, it will be simple. Your life will then be doing what God God has called you to do. So we are called to be before we are called to do. So if you don't have being figured out, you need to work on being before you work on doing. So there is a price and process before we live in the promise. So he says there's some great and precious promises. Those promises often are connected to the things that you want to do. That's the promise. Sometimes God calls us to something and puts something in us and tells us what we're going to do. He, he sends an anointing upon David as a lad, but he doesn't lead until he learns to become some things. You see, he had to become a shepherd. He had to become a warrior. He had to become faithful in some things. He, he had to do a lot of becoming before he ever stepped into the arena of the anointing that was placed upon him as a lad. So David as a child, as a young lad is anointed to be a king but he doesn't live in that anointing for several years there after. When Moses was called, he didn't immediately walk in before Pharaoh, but there was some becoming that he had to have in his life. If I ask you a question this morning, what would you do for God if nothing limited you? If you had unlimited time, if you had unlimited money, that's usually the price we have to pay, time and money. And, it, and it would, what would you do for God? God. Uh, it, there is patience that's got to be involved, you see, uh, because God doesn't automatically move you from uh, the, the bull rushes uh, along the Nile and put you in the 
palace uh, telling Pharaoh to let my people go. But he says there is a process of growth and development. You have to learn the ways of the palace before you can go in the palace. So God says, I'm going to remove you out from your kindred. I'm going to put you in a strange land. I'm going to have you raised by a strange individual. And you're going to have to learn the way of the palace because eventually I'm going to bring you out of the palace and put you through a Midian desert and you're going to have some struggles and you're going to develop a stutter in your life and you're going to have all sorts of issues that you've got to go through but eventually I'm going to bring you back to the point of the palace but now you're going to walk in before the Pharaoh and you're going to tell the Pharaoh God said let my people go and he is going to allow the people to go but you've got to be faithful now where you are in order to go to where I am going to take you to so when you learn to become faithful and you learn to become virtuous and you learn to you learn you gain knowledge and you develop temperance and you grow in patience and you develop godliness and you learn to be kind to your brother then you learn charity and you know what charity is that's when you learn how to love to the point that you give your entire life away he said when you get to that point you really have become Christ like because he went to a cross and said no man lay no man take my life but I lay it down that is the example of charity of love a great example of the process is found in the life of Jesus Luke chapter 2 verse 52 and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. I, I quoted that scripture to my boys through their growing up years so many times they probably got frustrated with it. They, they were all three a little bit aggressive. I don't know where they got that from. And uh, they had big vision. I don't know where they got that from. And they had to go, they had to do, they wanted to preach, they wanted, and I would have to take them back very gently to Luke 2 and 52 and tell them even Jesus had to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. That's all we know that Jesus did between the time that we see him in uh, baffling the doctors and, and, and uh, of, of law and, and all of the religious leaders in the temple. And when he arrives on the scene when he's 30 years old, during that whole space of time, eight 19 years. Where was he and what was he doing? He was increasing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So it's not wasted time. In other words, Jesus was becoming what he needed to become in order to do what he needed to do. His ministry was three and a half years. His becoming was the 30 years prior to the three and a half years of ministry. Can I get an amen in the house today? So one of the most popular stories in Scripture is about a man named Moses I just referenced. He was on the backside of a Midian desert when God finally got his attention and a bush was burning with, with fire, but it was not being consumed. Moses stepped aside to hear the voice of God. The, 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 the job that God was asking Moses to do was greater than Moses, and Moses recognized it. It was beyond his natural ability. He, he saw them, himself as a shepherd, so how could he possibly go before Pharaoh? Now pay attention with me now. If God had asked him to go before Pharaoh and he wanted to send him when he was a mere lad, he would have probably said, sure, here I am, I'm ready to go. But see, he had enough life experiences. He had worked on becoming long enough, you see. He, he had dealt with a man that caused him to become enraged to a point that he even murdered him. He, he dealt with temperament issues. He dealt with patience.
conscience issues. He dealt with all of these issues that, that God was calling him to become. And then when God finally on the backside of a Midian desert said, Moses, it's your time. It's your hour. Moses says, uh-uh, not me. I haven't yet fulfilled the becoming process. See, now I've lived long enough in the becoming stages that I recognize I cannot do this on my own. God says, good. That was what I was trying to get you to all along, recognizing that this job is too great for you. It's too big for you. It is over your head. You will never be able to do it. You are not gifted enough, talented enough, smart enough. You don't have enough time. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough people. You don't have a big enough following. And he said, okay, then I finally got you to where you need to be. And then, uh, but, but Moses starts, uh, he, he answers God's call with four excuses. First, he says, I'm nobody. And, and God answers back to him. And he says, don't worry about that. I'm going to go with you. And then he said, I have no authority. And he said, well, you're going to go in my name. And, and then he said, well, they're not going to believe me. And, 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 and he said, don't worry. I'll take care of the convincing. He said, what I need you to do is I need you to lead and I will deliver. If you read the story of the deliverance of God's people, the Lord never told Moses go deliver the people out he said go tell them I will deliver you go and you lead so God is saying I'm looking for a leader I'll take care of the delivering and then he said well Lord uh, I mean I have a uh, I have a speech impediment I am incapable of being able to speak and he said I'll give you a sidekick to go along with you to be able to be a spokesperson for you yes he experienced many great things. He saw the promised land, although he never entered into it, because I believe that he perhaps was even limited by his own mindset. But I, I pose the question to you this morning. If you had no hindrance and you understood the things that I am preaching to you about this morning, I, I, what could you do? for God? What could you be for God? I'm not asking you what you could do for God, but what could you be for God? Because when we get being right, then God is going to take care of the doing. Because see, that's all he's looking. He said, if you will be, I will do. That's where it is all the way through. See, some people think they are God all by themselves. They think they, they can do it. I have the ability. I have the wisdom. I can manipulate people. I can do That will all run out with time. We have to reach a point of surrender and submission to God and say, I'll give it everything I've got. But I am busy trying to be what God has called me to be. But if we will be... God said, I will make it where you will be not be barren nor unfruitful. So everything that you try when you are trying to be, God said, I will make sure and do what you can't do because you are being what I've called you to be. I hope I'm not too complex with some this morning, but what could you do by your own power? That's as far as you're going to be able to go. But let me ask you this morning, what can you do by his power? Because what being does is it takes you outside of the realm of what you're able to do and it takes God to the point of what he's able to do. He can do anything. His power is, un, is unending. His power is so far beyond yours. So stop trying to do it for God and start trying to be what God's called you to be and let God do what only God can do. I attended a seminar from a great leadership guru by the name of John Maxwell. Some of you have read his books. And they're great books, great leader, great leadership guy. And in this seminar, he challenged the group to write your own eulogy. And he said, if you wrote your own eulogy, uh, what could be said about you? I, I was at a funeral the other day, and I listened, and I told my wife, I said, my goodness, when I finished, I heard... I heard the father. Uh, I heard. I heard the father that passed away. I heard his son, his son-in-law, his grandkids all speak about him. And I, I said, my goodness, if those things could be said about me, I think at the end of life I would feel that I have been 
successful. Such incredible and powerful words. But the reality is, John Maxwell said, write your own eulogy. What could be said about you? Not not fictitious, not make-believe, but what would be said about you? And what, what is your spiritual state? What is your work ethic? What are you becoming? So I, I ask you this morning to do some soul searching and be honest with yourself on what you could become by the power of God that is working in you. This is what I'm trying to get to this morning. I'm trying to get us to a point of recognizing that God is calling us to become more than what we are. Let's lay aside. I'm not even dealing this morning because the apostle in this text is not dealing with a calling to go preach, a calling to go sing, a calling to do that, a calling to go here, to go there, a calling to missions. That's not what he's dealing with. He's talking about the calling to be what God has called you to be. And so I'm asking you, what could you be by his power, not what you are today, but I want to know what you were becoming. Could you stop for a moment and say, boy, I recognize I have some short some shortcomings in my life. I've got some shortfalls in my life. Okay, we all do, but do you recognize what you could become by God's power? Do you understand what you could become by God working through your life? I know there's some in this room today that may be older than I am. Can I tell you God's not through with you? There may be some in this room that feel like, well, there's no way it's going to ever happen. I came this morning to this pulpit. I spent some time in prayer and some time in study, and I believe I'm in the will of God to come today and tell you, you are not finished. You are not done. God is not done with you. If you'll get back busy about becoming what God has called you to be, God will fulfill some things in your life that you always wanted to see, but you're never going to do it until you become what he's calling you to become. When you become it, God will do it. So if you would be willing to pay the price, you could become anything that you want to become at all cost. If you were willing to sacrifice your life to see it happen, what could you be? But see, the very last thing he deals with is charity. And charity is the giving away, uh, is the giving away of one's life because of love for, uh, for others. And so, therefore, he, he waits to the very end. And he said, until you're really ready to give your life away, I'm not even. That's the very last thing that he put. He said, now you're ready to give your life away. You have reached the aspect that I am looking for add and we're going to get to the charity part at the very end we've dealt with temperance and we've dealt with patience and we have dealt with brotherly kindness when sometimes you want to kick them in the in, in the shin and you want to you, you want to uh, uh, sometimes maybe have a rebuttal for everything that they say but 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 the Lord's saying once you get past the brotherly kindness thing and and you get the godliness thing down we're going to finally get to the point where you are willing to give your life away for the calling that I've called you to then you start saying it's no longer my life but it is what God is wanting to do with me what could you be if you reach the point of being willing to give yourself away? If pride didn't get in the way of saying, no way will I ever get to that point. If doubt and fear and unbelief, what is it that prevents you from being all that the Lord is calling you to be? Is it lifestyle? Is it sin? Is it attitude? Is it unfaithfulness? Is it self-centeredness? Is it lack of concern? All of these things that, that I have talked about this morning fixes all of those problems. And somebody said, well, pastor's saying I've got to be perfect. But I come this morning telling you, you do not have to be perfect. But what you have to be is striving for perfection. God is calling you to become. When we become what we could be, then and only then will the church become what she should be. The responsibility of this church rests upon the shoulders of you and I. What could this church 
be, what could this church be, depends on what you and I can become. What it is, what is it becoming? Jesus, here's what Jesus said, and I'm closing this morning because I'm out of time, so I'm cutting past a few ideas that I'd like to bring this morning. But Jesus said, except we become as little children. Why, why little children? What is it that is about little children? Little children have blind faith. Little children believe without question. Little children don't have the experiences that Moses nor you and I have had, the failures that you and I have dealt with. They look beyond all of that and they're just blind. If I if I had a child in here today and I could set them on this the, the, the edge of this platform and I could say, jump, I'm going to catch you. I, I have the confidence today that most of the little children out in the classroom would run and would jump because they would trust that I would catch them. That's what God is calling you and I to do today. He's saying, why don't you jump in? I'm looking for you just to jump in. Uh, well, well, Pastor, I don't have it figured out. God is saying, what I'm looking for you to do is become as a little child because unless you become as a child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. There's got to be a point that you jump in and say, here I am. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm trying to become something. I don't even have, I don't know which ends up. I can't quote five scriptures, but I'm becoming something that God wants me to become. He's calling you today to become what he wants you to become. Stand with me all over this building this morning. Paul said in 1 Corinthians that a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. I believe that's where we are today as a church. God has committed some things. There's some great things for you and I to accomplish in the kingdom, but we're never going to do it on our own. We need to get busy being what God has called us to be and let God do what only God can do. If I've spoken to you in this house this morning and God is calling you to a higher level of commitment, faithfulness, if he's wanting to add to your faith, virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, brotherly kindness. If he's, I don't know where you are in the process. Oftentimes we're all a work in progress, and every one of these things, there's, there's times when my faith fails me. There's, there's moments when I fail at every level of this. I don't stand here today to tell you I'm a man without fault and without failure. We all are at different spots and different places, but God is calling us. Are you working on becoming? Are you too busy over here trying to do it on your own? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed all over this room. God's calling us to be. He's calling us to be what he wants us to be. I'm opening these altars today. If this is your first time here, feel free to join with us. It's customary for us to walk to the front of this room as a sign that we are responding to the Word of God. If God has called you today and you feel to respond and let heaven know today I'm responding to what has been spoken, walk to the front of this room today. Join these that are already walking forward. Everybody in the building is welcome to join us here. Would you respond to what God is saying? He's calling you today. Come on, come forward with Thank you. 
by talking to the Lord. Let's spend a few moments here, just you and the Lord. Reach out to him this morning. Declare to him, God, I want to be what you called me to be. decision today to take a step toward you. God, I pray that as we take these steps forward that your spirit guides us, leads us, directs us, helps us to be what you called us to be. Lord, I thank you for meeting with us in this house this morning.